0: Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, it's hard to see either the Ottawa teams giving them too much trouble. It's, it's tough, yeah. yeah.
1: well, I mean, it's hard to see because we've seen it and they haven't. So, you know, you can, we can trust our eyes a little bit on this. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Week five is in the books. We are coming down the home stretch. The football's been getting better and better. And uh, what happened, Nate? What what happened to our great OUA football this week? What what's going on? Did did it look better from Europe? Is it just was I too close to the action? Did it look better from Europe? What happened? I can't confirm the distance did not make it any better. Um, You
0: know, following along this week, it was
1: it was a bit of a rough week. It was a bit of a rough week, indeed.
0: (laughs) But uh, man. Just uh, you know, we'll we'll cut them some is some rough weather in some places, but I mean, golly, some some ugly, ugly, you know, offensive football in some games. You love defense and turnovers and things like that. Hey, maybe maybe this was the best week of, of football for you, but uh. Speaking for myself, I cannot say the same at all.
1: I'm confident you can speak for more than just yourself in saying that, but we will break it down for you nonetheless, because we love you, and that's what we do. Uh, we'll, we'll get it started off where we normally do. We'll give out some awards for the week. Uh, kind of going off your point there, Offensive Player of the Week, um, we've talked about this a bit before we were recording, um, bit of a limited... Uh, support number of guys that might be vying for this award but we'll start with the obvious if you were watching these games or just checking the the box scores afterwards um we'll start number one uh i'll highlight keon edwards running back for the western mustangs 29 carries 171 yards two touchdowns which uh thank you for doing the math i don't want to do and never want to do but that 171 yards accounted for more Rushing yards than the leading rusher from both Carlton, the whole Mac Laurier game, and then also U of T. Um, and we'll get to the over under, the player prop for that one uh, that we said in that game. I'll kind of step on that right now. We had it for Edwards and Trey Humes, that two headed monster of a running back field they have, breaking 200 yards on the day. And uh, Trey didn't seem to be in this game, but Keon almost smashed that. On his own, so yeah, Keon's getting player the offensive player of the week. Um, Where are you going with this one, Nate? Yeah, there's not a whole lot left after that, (laughs) and uh,
0: (laughs) so we can go. We can be. We can reach a little bit here, Um, but I'm going to go with James Keenan, obviously uh, quarterback for Queens and and sort of talking before the podcast. You know, I thought you made a good point that um, Carlton kind of went in and they're like. Okay, you know you guys and your running game—that's good and all, but we're not going to let you do that. And let's let's see what Keenan's got. You know, let's see if you can throw the ball and and move the ball for this team. And he was able to do it. Um, The stats aren't, you know, heck Creighton worthy by any means—sixteen to twenty-six, two fifty, two passing touchdowns. But I feel like each week we're starting to see more and more of Keenan you know, making great throws on script and the ability to make plays off script as well. So I feel like, you know, he keeps improving week in and week out and sort of, you know, really kind of is instilling more confidence um, for me, at least in thinking how far this Queens team can go um, if they're able to not be, you know, one dimensional.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just as I'm kind of scrolling through my notes on the point of, of, of sort of the offense uh, <laughs> for this week. Every game went under on our on our points, points totals except for two games in which the one as we highlighted just there with Queens uh, doing what they did to the Carlton and then in the western game, um, where a single the the, the one team single handedly broke that over under. So, you know, uh, a few standout performances, but as you were kind of saying, the the rest of the pack a bit lacking, though. Um, but obviously, that means that there were some good defensive performances this week, and uh, I'll, I'll give you first crack at it. Uh, who did you like as your defensive player of the week coming out? Sure. I'm going to stay in Kingston, guys, okay? Well, didn't you just say,
0: Queens guy? Yeah, I did, but it was homecoming, guys. Cut me some slack, you know? I'm feeling a little nostalgic, uh, you know, trying to feel like I was there, so... I'm going to go with Nolan Bedard, uh, kind of plays that Sam Backer, you know, slash DB versatile guy for Queens, Um, came up big on the day, four and a half total tackles, one forced fumble and one pick, um, obviously having a big impact in setting up that offense to get some scores right before halftime. So he gets my defensive player of the week.
1: Totally deserving. Um, I mean, I I almost feel like just the queen we kind of broke a few rules uh last week when we kind of gave our our special teams player to coach uh nate taylor in ottawa for just orchestrating an incredible overall attack and i feel like we probably could have done the same just to be like hey whether it's the defense as a whole or the the dc there in queens just a well uh orchestrated attack um overall but you're totally right. Um Bedard, just with if you were going to pick one guy, that's definitely a a great name to go with. I'm going with uh, a a standout player from actually going back to that last game in Queens when Guelph came to visit and he continued to roll in their victory against Waterloo, which is Christian Stewart, um, sort of linebacker, uh, D line hybrid, um, type guy, uh, five total tackles, sack, and an int. And and I'm kind of giving him some flowers. Off of that Queens game as well Where I think he had three and a half sacks And I think we gave him a bit of a recognition In breaking it down But you know Hard to give a guy You know it Takes takes a really strong performance to, to win those player of the week nods When your team's on the losing side um, So I think just The combined efforts These past two weeks And uh, we'll obviously get to What happened in that game But You know Being a, a major player on a, on a defense that holds Waterloo To, to, to 10 points on the day uh, Albeit you know, Some some circumstances that went down in that game that perhaps led to that being the case, but nonetheless, um, yeah. Mr. Stewart take about hell of a performance. Um, and then I'll real quick just transition towards special teams because I ain't leaving the Royal City. Uh gotta go with Clark Barnes. You know, we saw in his rookie year what he was able to do in the return game. Missed a few games to start off uh this season. I mean it's I guess it's sophomore season playing. Um but yeah. Uh, when he is in open space with that ball in his hands, he's as deadly as it gets. And yeah, I think it was 109 yards that he housed on on that, and it was coming off of a nice drive where where Waterloo marched and and scored. I think it was their one touchdown, or uh, it came off of them getting points. And just you know, Barney and friends uh, just shut that down right away. Um, so yeah, he'll 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 take uh, he'll take my uh, my special teams player of the week. Who who are you giving it to?
0: Yeah, it's special teams, so we have to mention a kicker. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Brian Garrity, uh kicker for the Western Mustangs. Just a really elite day um, as far as kicking goes. Five of five on field goals with a long of 47. Um, really, you know, I guess, <laughs> exemplifying the performance of the rest of his team
1: as well there. Uh, so he's going to get my special teams player of the week. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Uh and we'll just transition quickly into our who's back of the week. And you mentioning a Mustang in for Mr. Garrity for your special teams player of the Week, and I will highlight a Mustang for my who's back, Mr. Kojo Odoom, the uh, reigning rookie of the year, cornerback uh, for the Mustangs. I believe this is his first game back. And, you know, being here in London, as I was kind of mentioned to you before we started recording the sort of big bulletin board poster near the university where they advertise, you know, the coming games like, Oh, October 16th, Windsor at here at Western. Come check it out. They had Kojo on the poster. They normally have like a a one or two guys. And I was thinking like, Ooh, is this, is this confirmed the Kojo return? And, uh, you know, Showed that he, uh, in fact, was back. You know, a bit of a mild day for him uh, overall. Just three tackles. I mean, obviously, as a, as a DB, sometimes the stats don't always show the performance. But a great guy to have back for them um, to really solidify that that defensive backfield. So, who's back? Koja Odoom. Who's back for you, Nate?
0: So, I'm going to go with my who's back for the week. I'm going to go with football cliches. Um, obviously, the one you hear the most, probably, defense wins championships obviously an incredibly huge week for defenses, a bad week for offenses. And then, you know, you want to throw in another one. Like, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, you got to win the turnover battle. That's another one you hear really often. And that was really kind of a theme in a couple games. Um, most notably York U of T, um, as well as sort of, you know, looking at the, uh, Laurier Mac game as well. So, you know, bit of a bit of a return to some clichés and some traditional you know football lore this week i guess
1: let's say Yeah, I mean, and and those cliches are cliches for a reason. Um, And I think specifically in Canadian football, it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know, it was a nasty weather day. I mean, of course, this is what's going to happen. It's like, yeah, well, the weather's not going to really be getting any better. You know, I'm not saying we won't catch a sunny day, like, coming down the stretch. But it's like, odds are, it ain't going to get too much prettier. So, you know what, Uh, that's why, you know, three-down football, you got to lean into the pass game. But if you don't have a good run game, if you don't have, you know, good ball security, uh, you know, all those things are going to add up. So uh, yeah, I, I think you, I think that's uh, you hit the nail on the head as the the season starts to turn here in uh, in southern Ontario. I don't, I don't know, uh, we'll have to get a, a day shot from you uh, see what the weather is happening, how the weather is holding up in Vienna. But uh, we'll we'll take that to transition into our first game of the week, or pardon me, our first game, which was our game of the week, which um, might have been the worst game of. The 2021 OUA season. It was the Argo Cup, Part One. The York Lions visiting the UFT Blues. Ah, uh, final score: UFT 25, York two. Uh line on this one it just it hurts talking about this this is like these are these are groans of pain having to actually discuss this one uh uft we said at minus three and a half for the game so you get the you get the the bet there if you pick them on the win over under 45 pardon me 44 and a half points we are severely under on that front our player prop um you know (laughs) Say what you will of picking a kicker to have an over-under on rush yards. But, uh, you know, given that Mr. Chris McClain did his darndest in faking two punts on the day, uh, ended up on the underside of the 25 and a half rush yards that we set for him. Um, but, uh, no, I pre- I like to think that he saw the prop and was like, you know what, I got I to gotta give the fans what they want. Um, unfortunately, though, it didn't pan out for them. So I was at this game, um, you know, it's great getting to go home. I was there with my old man, seeing our boy Dakota patrol the sidelines for York and uh, and hold it down for them with the running backs. And uh, you know, Avante McCoy, nice game for York, a bit of a breakout day for him. I think it was something like 85 or somewhere in that eighty high 80s rushes for him. Um, but man, this this was an ugly game. Um, obviously, as we said, the weather was at impact all weekend long. It was rainy. It was windy. It was cold. Mid second quarter, the sun came out for a little bit, saw what was happening on the field and said, Ah, no, no I'm going to disappear again. <laughs> no thanks. I don't want to watch this one either. So, you know what? I feel you, son, but like we could have used you um, a little bit in there. Anyways, it's York, UFT. There's always a bit of pageantry with it all. It was great getting to be at uh, the, the, the senior game for guys like Clay and Lovegrove and Corby. Um, kind of kind of struck me i didn't realize that that was actually what i was walking into so it was great to be there for that but um what what are you thinking nate what what are you thinking seeing what happened see see, i I guess we'll call it football what happened saturday at varsity stadium
0: yeah no i definitely agree with all those points and kind of thinking back to our predictions, Zach, I think we were both pretty right about the game. Um, Aside from, I guess your final prediction of York, but uh, I remember you talking about sort of that York defense and I'm going to be, you know, they played good enough to win. Let's be honest. I mean, holding that U of T offense to, you know, 139 yards of total offense. That's, you know, poor, absolutely poor to say the least, you know, obviously clay had a rough day. I think he's, You know, sitting around thirty percent or so completion percentage on the day, they weren't able to run the ball. Um, York got a lot of pressure, but what I said was right too. You know, what I and I talked about the York turnovers, um, and they came in bunches. York turned turned the ball over six times on the day, and you're just you're not going to win any football games playing like that. And you know, it's a real shame because. Obviously, they have some some promising areas for this team. I feel like we've talked about the defense every single week for this team. Um, we've mentioned the playmakers they have, you know. But it, it's just it's a rebuilding year for them, you know. So it's hard to be too critical. But I mean, it's just simple football things, Zach. You know, you just it seems like the same thing week after week. And I just you know I want better for this team because I see the potential in it honestly. And it's just you know, fellas. So hold on that football a bit better, and maybe you'll get some better results, right?
1: I mean, you're certainly not wrong um, on, on that front. And as I was kind of saying, you know, there's only so much you know we can say about the weather. It's like, hey, we're playing football in Canada. Like, you gotta just know that's going to be a factor. And, yeah. and
0: and you've 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 teased playing
1: in the exact same weather, obviously. Uh, exactly. It, you know, it's it's weird looking at these numbers for this game because you, you highlighted the defense for. Uh, for york and as he said it's it's been the the shining um you know the one shining thing for them going on this year it's it's time to talk about it's time to it's time to get to bird watch 2021 L- we'll see if i insert some bird calls in here as a little sound effect but for for, for now we'll just stick with a little ah, ah, bird watch 2021 and what i'm referring to here is uh, a bit of an awkward talking point um Given the the head coach of the York Lions and who we've been seeing at the quarterback position, but I call it birdwatch because we got Noah Crane, Craney, and we got his backup Brady. It's,
0: it's a it's a it's a it's a bit of a reach, Zach, but I'll I'll allow it. I'll pass it. <laughs>
1: well, whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm not. I'm 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 not the quarterback in, in this, uh, in this virtual room, but man, uh, uh, we, you know, we talk about that defense. We also talk about that. They have some really strong skill position guys. And we mentioned Avante McCoy having a really nice game for him, uh, on this one, you know, say what you want about U of defense run defense in specific, uh, the daily brothers doing their thing out there. Um, and some other guys that have been making plays for them this year. Um, at, at what point is this just uh you know hey it's it's the guy at pivot i mean like i said i'm not uh, i'm not the expert on this but it definitely feels like you know what maybe they can try switching up we see Guelph a team that by most measures is just a is, by all measures probably is just a better overall team um you know rotating quarterbacks trying to figure it out see what works for them as well we saw western pretty much you know in that laurier use that laurier game to be like hold on Maybe we don't know what's good at quarterback. Let's experiment. Let's try things out. I've talked a lot about how going back to the 2019 Queen season, who's it going to be between Keenan and LeCandre? Let's mix it up. For a team that's had such little offensive success, it just kind of behooves me that they've stuck with Craney this whole time. And I really don't like taking shots at guys, and I don't intend for this to be a shot at Noah in this regard. It's just a little odd because – there's a lot of things we like about this team, but the play at quarterback's been subpar.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we used the word developing kind of last week and, you know, there's only so long you can develop. And I think, you know, it's good to kind of use the other couple examples and it's, and it's you know, Guelph obviously being the most prominent one this year. And we saw action from all three quarterbacks in the last game against <laughs> Waterloo. So, you know, it's not out of the norm. I don't love that kind of strategy, but you know, at a certain point, um, you know, they're looking at a situation like I'm pretty sure their season's over. If they win out, then maybe there's a chance, but they have Mac next week and they finish with U of T again. I don't I don't I will say based on the results so far, it's unlikely. So now's the kind of time where, you know, and this is not just that quarterback, but every position is kind of you have to start reevaluating things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it kind of develops going forward, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a fair criticism of this team, uh, up to this point.
1: Well, and you know what, like, and the developmental piece, like, that's that totally makes sense. And coming off of the, the lost COVID year when you have all these extra guys. But you know what? This is a year where we are having, in this East Conference, one team missed the playoffs. So we know, just by process of that, one of our Toronto teams is going to be making the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, no matter how it breaks down, because both Ottawa and York, pardon your Ottawa and Toronto now have... A game over Toronto, obviously, or over York. Obviously, York can tie up the season matchup with U of T if they win that last game of the season. I mean, a minus 23 deficit from this game probably won't ha- help their case if it does come down to, you know, points or whatever. But it's like, developmental, that's cool and everything. But, like, assuming things go back to a re- more sort of traditional OUA season next year in terms of the standings, the playoffs, and all that, it's like, man, this is the year where, like, I, you, it was right there it was right there and like i said i haven't quite cracked the numbers completely to see if it's completely if they're eliminated i'm pretty sure york's eliminated at this point but just it's like man this was the year where you know if you figure a few things out i mean i don't know well yeah it's easy That's and, what, and
0: yeah. like you know you look at sort of and kind of i love this point about you know for these two teams it was really kind of they haven't been in the playoffs in a long time toronto as well and you're right. This was absolutely the opportunity for someone. You know, York, they're looking at this in a rebuilding year. But watching this team, it's just some silly things that have held them back. It's not like I think they have the talent to compete with Toronto for that spot. You know what I mean? Um, but definitely looking looking at the flip side of the coin, you know, we talk about York a lot. But um, you kind of look at Toronto and you know what? It hasn't been pretty for them either. But when it came down to it and they needed to, to Edge out a, a very low scoring game against Ottawa. You know, the defense came through. they were able to do it. The offense played smart enough. They were going to turn the ball over and do the things to put themselves in bad positions. And it was sort of similar enough this week that, you know, at the end of the day, they turned the ball over a couple times, but, you know, they were able to gut it out. And, you know, they're, I would say more deserving of this playoff spot. Absolutely. So congratulations to them it's always nice to see a team lift the trophy at the end of the game the good old Argo cup <laughs> uh so you know really happy for those toronto guys because you know despite the circumstances of the season moving into recruiting and things like that having a playoff not on your resume as a team it, it makes a big difference
1: no absolutely and and you know, very very salient point in highlighting that Ottawa win because you know when it, when we all when it comes down to when we're looking at how this season shakes out in in the end of it we're gonna be looking at that week five or probably that week four loss uh, of York at ottawa low scoring game as we said again special teams was a mess for them obviously dante got hurt in that game tried to tough it out and we saw them with i forget who it was as the backup kicker i mean kicking was atrocious for them i mean shout out to chris Chris McLean again for a really solid kicking performance by him uh for uft um but you know as you said you uh, when it came down to it what it doesn't matter it was 11 to 10 final score uft got that w york man, they had that lead late in that game despite the injury to Dante, despite being on the road, being in Ottawa, and it's just like, man. uh, It was there for the taking. It was there for the taking. It was there for the taking. But I am way over talking about this game. Um, Let's let's move (laughs) on to our other 1 o'clock games. Hello there friends, sorry to interrupt what I'm sure was some great OUA football talk, but I just want to remind you super quick that if you want to help support our brand and in the process support Stella's place, you can always visit our website at the55.ca, visit the store and get yourself hooked up with some of our great gear. We still have masks hats, and our dry fit t-shirts. So at the 55.ca slash store is the place to be to get all that. And as we said, it not only supports us, but it helps out Stella's Place, the non-for-profit that helps young people deal with their mental health by providing a number of resources and really reinforcing the importance of peer support and community. So we're all about helping them out. You can also visit their website, www.stellasplace.ca to find out more about them. But at the 55.ca is the place to be for our merch that, as we said, supports Stella's place as well. Back to the conversation. (laughs) Let's move to another bit of a mystery uh, game we had here. Uh, The Laurier Golden Hawks going into Ron Joyce stadium in Hamilton, visiting the McMaster Marauders. And putting up a, a shutout 22 to nothing for the golden Hawks man. Oh man. I, 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 I am trying to think, I think it was Jack Moore, uh, on Twitter highlighting that, you know, on a bit of digging, this is the, you know, first time Mac's been shut out in a game and, you know, we, we were joking about the last time that, uh, Windsor beat Mac, uh, after that, uh, happened a week ago and how long it was been similar situation here with Mac getting shut out at home. Um, yeah, 22-zip. Uh, you know, talking about who's back. Uh, another, you know, viable candidate in this one, Connor Carisello back at quarterback for Laurier. And, uh, you know, not, not a, a super strong performance by him, but you have to imagine that just having him back perhaps galvanizes the guys a little bit. I mean, it's impressive what we've seen for El but I'm sure these guys know that the ceiling is higher with a veteran like Carasello. If you want to do the top five kind of OUA quarterback thing, he's definitely in the mix for that kind of five spot um, uh, of OUA QBs right now. Um, So just sort of long-term projection, no doubt big having him back in. Um, But this game was weird because, you know, I wasn't watching this one live, but kind of speed going through it later, it's like, all right, you know, the, the muff punt Laurier scoops and scores and they score with the defense which has been kind of the the story with Laurier as we've said like hey if they're going to be winning some of these games uh it's going to come down to them making plays on defense and that's not just a a sort of well if their offense isn't going to do it it's going to have to be their defense situation it's they actually have the guys to make it happen it's not just a well it has to happen some way if it does so it'll be defense they have the guys to make it happen and clearly that was the case here but you know they they went up Whatever the score was in the first quarter, first half, and just it, it just became. I mean, the, the the before I knew it, the game was over. It it was like two quarters just vanished. I thought the stream like glitched out, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, six minutes in the fourth quarter, same score. What's going on, Andreas? Do they're putting in Keegan Hall now? Like eight sacks on the di- what is? I wasn't watching this one with as much uh, of a keen eye as you were covering it hand the floor to you. What are you, What happened here, man? What happened?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, sort of, game got off to a very exciting start. Um, you know, Laurier picks up Max Muff punt, returns it for a touchdown. Seemingly very next play or the play after, um, a pass goes through a Mac receiver's hands into the grateful Laurier defender's hands. He houses it. All of a sudden, it's 14-0, and after that, it felt like it was like, you know, Groundhog Day, um, Edge of Tomorrow's another great sort of time loop movie. It felt like I was just watching the same drives over and over and over again of <laughs> seemingly not successful offense. Only eight points being generated by an offense in this game. Laurier's offense, the rest by defense. Um, and it was, it was rough for both teams. Uh, Laurier obviously grateful to get the win, but McMaster, what is going on? And it's easy to say, Oh, well, look at the Windsor game last week. They put up 500 yards of offense against Windsor. This is a completely different story as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it comes down to sort of, you know, I'm familiar with the Laurie, probably Laurie, probably um, I had my least success against absolutely during my career. So I can understand um you know, Duick and McMaster struggling there, but man, even I did not struggle this badly. Um, nine sacks on the day for the Laurier defense. Um, Duick under 50 yards passing on the day. That is rough. Um, it seemed like every single drive started off with a sack. It seemed like they were constantly in second and 20. This was truly the game from hell for from hell for Mac, and now you're at the bottom of the OUA West. So some big, big consequences uh, from not exactly what we were expecting from this Mac
1: team. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and he said it about, you know, Andreas Duik. I mean, it's, I just, I don't believe it looking at this, these numbers. It just doesn't make sense. He's, he's so talented. Like, that, it's just like, you can't, you know, the, the tough thing is with so many of these games at this point where, like this, these are truly not, you know, remarkable outcomes. But, you know head-scratchers in the sense that, you know, we have a decent sense of who a lot of these guys are, who a lot of these teams are generally. And then it just seems like all the, and then we go into all these weeks and just all this crazy stuff happens. Real quick, just going over the, the lines of the spreads on this one I missed. Uh, we had Mac minus four and a half, which seemed like the smart uh, call with them at home. Uh, uh, coming off of that loss at Windsor obviously, uh hopefully you took Laurier on that bet there the over under we set at forty seven and a half uh vastly under shot on that one, and our player prop we had christian Hyderkop in uh defensive back for Laurier on point five interceptions didn't get a pick on this one, but a solid game for him, six tackles one and a half sacks uh one and a half of those eight sacks that you were mentioning um yeah, just an ugly football game, and you know I, I guess this is kind of. I mean, if if those, as you said, it was seemingly those two plays just back to back, right? So, how do we feel about this game if you know Laurier scoops and scores on that on that you know fumbled punt recover punt punt return, and then we get like a quarter, quarter and a half of that kind of you know rinse lather and repeat, just both of these defenses you know, getting after the quarterback, and then let's say it's in like the late third quarter where we see that. Tip pass, turn to the pick six, get to that twenty-two to nothing score, and then it plays out. Cause in my mind I almost feel like that just those two plays being so congested together made this game super odd. But if this was if this was like a first round playoff game and it's like eight nothing through like three quarters, tight defensive battle, and then all of a sudden, pick six, Lori extends the lead and then all of a sudden it's like it's it's kind of funny how just the actual order of operations, I think sometimes determines how we perceive this game and like i said the oddity is just we had all this excitement really early and then just not too much <laughs> like does that resonate with you at all or is do you think it's still just pretty ugly like regardless of how those plays happen or when those plays happen
0: no i know what you're saying in terms of flowing and flow of the game and i mean i would have appreciated watching the game myself if it was a bit spread out to make things more exciting <laughs> but i mean just looking at the numbers and sort of the eye test here and it, w- it, it was rough. It was rough um, for Mac. And, you know, at least you can say it wasn't as bad for the offense last week and in the week prior. And they sort of, you're playing York, but you're playing on the road, which is not an easy game, I can tell you from experience. And sort of, they're going to be challenged again by the York defense. Um, and guess what? If they lose again, they're done. So that, that's what the stakes are now for this team. Huge consequences for these past couple of weeks. And, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, you know, cause a jinx or anything like that, but we wanna talk about all these things that have happened that haven't happened in so long. When was the last time the reigning Yates Cup champion didn't make the playoffs? That's now not the most far fetched idea as far as I'm concerned. So.
1: Yeah, no that'll that'll take a bit of digging no doubt and you know we, maybe we'll get into this when we finish wrapping up uh, our games this week maybe we'll save it for the preview pod but you know I, just kind of looking at the standings in front of me I I'm already getting headaches just thinking about well it, can't just, just can't, could a 2 and 4 get in in the west depending on how if there's a tie break and I mean no yeah I think yeah mac probably given that they've now well but they beat Waterloo. I i don't know we'll say we'll park that for right now we'll get into that maybe in a moment but you're definitely right that's you know they can't overlook that matchup against york um definitely not and um i mean york's still york's still private team they're not gonna you know they're not gonna roll over and just show their belly to this mac team uh whatsoever so laurie mac uh big old question mark on that one um Cause I don't know, is this all of a sudden? Is 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 Laurier? You know, is, is, I don't. Know. I'm putting that one to bed. We feel okay about putting that one to bed. We, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about
0: both those teams uh, for next
1: week. <laughs> y- yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, bit of a bit of an odd one there, but we'll move on to our last one o'clock game, um, which was the Windsor Lancers visiting the Western Mustangs in London. Uh, final score. Western 54, Windsor 4. Lines for this one. Western minus 5.5. Comfortably secured that bet there. Over under on this one, 44.5 points, which Western was able to get over all by themselves. And as we set up in our our Players of the Week, our player prop or player... Players prop? English? Grammar? I don't know. Um, Was for that dynamic duo of a backfield of Trey and Keon to... Uh, go over under the 199.5 mark, which, as we said, uh, went under with you know no tray. That's gonna be a tough uh, task for one man to accomplish. But Keon almost single-handedly broke that mark by himself. Um, so looking at this one, um, this was a cool game because you know we saw Evan Hillock's debut in the Laurier game when they made that switch um, with Jackson White and this was you know the official first start for him in his OUA career a guy who had such a a storied high school um, high school career um, playing at um, St Thomas More in Hamilton and just winning championships and being such a t- highly touted recruit. He's going to Guelph and oh now he's going to Western and you know following the footsteps of merchant and all those you know storied quarterbacks at that program. And you know I, I want to kind of hand the floor to you to look at the day for him. I mean, 21 for 28, 281 yards, one TD, and of course, you know, with the 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 support and the running game, that must be a very comforting feeling when you know you have a guy doing what Keon was doing in the backfield. But um, as far as just um, just starting with Evans' performance, what kind of thoughts did you have getting to see him in the you know his official first start in the OUA way now?
0: You know, it was really good, and it's funny you bring up Guelph because I think about how those guelph quarterbacks did against windsor and it was not nearly as good as evan so maybe they're kicking themselves a little bit on that but <laughs> no it was it was terrific i mean you look at 21 and 28 obviously that kind of efficiency from a first year kid um that's spectacular stuff and the running game helps but you know at the end of the day that's going to be the identity of this team he's not going to have to do it all by himself and sort of he's going to just have to be there when they need him and he was absolutely that today and sort of you know, as things goes on, he's a first year guy, you know, maybe he will be a step back here and there, but he's only going to continue to to improve from here. And today was pretty darn good. So obviously sort of a pretty promising outlook. If you're a, if you're a Mustangs fan kind of coming off, the, you know, the Chris Merchant years and the Finch years, oh, what what's going to happen now? And sort of an interesting few weeks to start the season, but now you're kind of
1: realizing, uh, you know, we're in pretty good hands here. Definitely. And, you know, we were mentioning it in talking about that, that Mac Laurier game where, you know, you look at the Duick line, uh, get not even hitting 50 yards on the day and you think like, is there a typo? Am I missing something? You know, on the other side of things for uh, for Windsor, I mean, looking at our our, our guy Sam Gerrard finishing eight for 21, 52 yards, no TDs, no picks. Um, and then, uh, you know, coming out for Carter Zinger. Later in that game, uh, I mean, not the type of performance we expect to see from him. And, and obviously, this has been a team that, you know, has relied on having a very stingy defense, having that... uh what do we call it? That weird magnetic field, like force field that I guess surrounds alumni field in in Windsor that just makes opposing teams just. I think forget. I think it's the border, Zach. It's gotta be the it's border. The, it's the proximity <laughs> to Detroit, absolutely. Um and, you know, and, and seeing a standout performance by you know, standout performances by David Edenrin and and what he's been doing at running back. And you know, the the thing I in 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 checking out what happened in this game and looking at some of those other games I and mean, it's Oh, you know, it, it, the the leagues kind of had this feeling that we could probably pick four or five teams. That's just like, hey, you know what? Any of these teams can just beat any of, can beat each other on any given day. You know, you know, mentioning as well the return of Kojo Odimo on that defense for Western, and you know, doing what they did even without Trey Humes in the backfield. It it's starting to feel like maybe Western, and you know, getting that you know Hillock now comfortable at quarterback. Are they kind of just becoming the you know the the bully that you know we we usually expect of them every year? Is this just were they just slow playing this year, being like, you know, we got some question marks, we got to figure out, you know, a few guys banged up, they'll come back midway through the year. Let's just focus that you know the six game season, it's gonna be weird, you know, a lot of teams, you know, the playoff structure is gonna be different than years past. Let's just figure out, you know you know we know they know their identity of running the ball that's been you know the case since day one that's been the case since you know you and me were in diapers and before then but you know does it kind of feel like maybe they're just really taking form or you know are we just going to see them go into waterloo next week and all of a sudden be in a dog fight again and all of a sudden you know d- d- does this feel like a statement game for them or d- i don't know w- what kind of thoughts do you have as far as that component of like The sort of prestige of the these different teams and how they they rank up against each other
0: um i mean it was definitely impressive i mean what you want to say about a statement or you know but uh still kind of you know they have this identity of forcing turnovers and western still lost three fumbles on the day so that's just something to keep an eye on you know sort of those turnovers um but you know i could definitely see things playing out that way um Waterloo, obviously not having a great week against Guelph and sort of looking at Western goes forward, Waterloo and then Windsor again. So, I mean, it's, yeah, just thinking about them playing any other teams in the league, it's it's going to be hard to pick against them going forward. I mean, coming off performances like this, um, as long as they're at home, I mean, you know, that sort of daunting feel of, of being on that Western sideline and the running game gets going, I've been there. And it happens fast. You know, all of a sudden you're down a couple touchdowns and next thing you know, they put that 50-burger on the scoreboard and (laughs) you're standing there with your hand on your hips. So I think if they secure that home field, then they're pretty much riding to sort of a Yates Cup. But in a season where I think it's the first time they haven't played Queens in what was it, like 20-something years, I think someone commented on one of our posts. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it feels like, they're these two magnets kind of attracting one another <laughs> and as long as Queens wins next week if they can make it that game will be at Richardson Stadium the best stadium in all of you sports so <laughs>
1: didn't even need a prompt you on that one you know hey you know no, what that no, no, has the game now as, as as someone currently living in London as much as I would love that to be here at TD I don't foresee myself getting to Richardson for any other game this season unless it were the yates so i'm kind of pulling for that to to be the outcome as well because whether it's western or not just queens hosting that yates because i would love to get to see a game there but you you mentioned sort of in talking about what we can kind of make of western as a whole on this one um you know the, some of those turnovers the fumbles and you know a hundred uh, pardon me a hundred, 11 uh, penalties as well for them losing the, the the penalty battle on this one and the turnover battle. Um, which is a bit uncharacteristic. So, you know, w- w- you know, as we saw in that Guelph game and that Mac game, kind of ugly football from uh, the the Marauders and Griffins, respectively. There, um, it, it seemed like Western, and maybe just being at home, not maybe, no doubt, being at home, kind of helps you weather those things, those kind of quick change and, moments. Well, and the the
0: thing is, too, Zach, is you look at yeah. sort of their opponent in the Windsor, and you know, haven't exactly been uh, blowing anyone away with offense during the year. Um, yeah. You know, could, could do some some easier stuff, I guess. It seems, you know, a lot of running on first down, a lot of intermediate stuff, you know, maybe need some more easy things to do to kind of get the ball rolling for them at, at every now and then, especially against a team like Western. Obviously, they have a good defense. You're probably not going to be able to run the ball on them with too much success. Um, so, but talking about that, you start turning over the, the ball against Trey Ford, and you're not going to get away with that as easily. So something to keep an eye on uh, going forward.
1: No, absolutely. And, and we'll get to Waterloo shortly. And, uh, you know, they we, we've talked about they have guys who will kind of said about Laurier, who will turn the ball over, who will, you know, force the action on that front. Uh, but w- we'll put that game to bed and uh, transition to the, the midday game. We had Carlton visiting. Your Queen's gales in I so it was the Queen's homecoming very nice. You had kind of the Richardson Stadium homecoming the week before. Now you have I guess the the more traditional students homecoming. I, I guess where the where the engineers out there doing their th- you know I, all you can we can kind of give you Nate's corner to talk about all that pomp and circumstance. But as far as the action on the field, it was a forty five Burger Queens put up on Carlton while that defense. As we kind of talked about already, produced a goose egg for the Ravens. Uh Queens in this one, the talking about the lines real quick, minus six and a half on the day over under 34 and a half. Queens obviously covering you on that front on both fronts single-handedly. And then for the player props, we want Rashid Tucker uh, for total yards over under 130. He ended up going under. And and I'll use that as a bit of a jumping off point and you know you mentioned Keenan's performance already and uh highlighting some of the guys on that defense I'm sure we'll get to that um, we also kind of talked about how Queens would respond if a team were to you know and for those listening because this is a strictly audio platform I say it's with big quotation marks shut down Rashid Tucker which you know what 17 carries for 74 yards one touchdown is about as shut down shut down of a performance as, as you'll probably uh, do for, for do on Tucker on the day. Um, did this have So this kind of had the feel of that, you know, the first time where Keenan was kind of having to step up and we already highlighted how we kind of performed in the wake of that. But, um, the, you know, as we said, this is the a rematch of week one where Queens handled their business going to Carlton, which didn't bode well for this one, especially now with, with no Tanner at QB for Carlton. But, Um, you know, this, I don't know, Uh, this, this one seemed pretty (laughs) just that defense uh, we talked about all year has been one of the strong points for them. No doubt. They did their thing. The off is just, this was just, I don't know. I I really have no, no, no insightful comments. Queens was just the better from first whistle to last and man, did the scoreboard bear it out?
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's. It's easy to look at the scoreboard and look at the box score, look at the numbers and just say, wow, you know, Queens dominated from start to finish. You know, this wasn't even a game. Maybe I don't even bother going back and looking at the film to see what happened. But um, I think the story really is kind of that quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, you know, Van Kona, obviously a young kid, obviously not the level of experience that the um, young brings to the table. And Early in the game, it was close. Like, obviously, the Carlton offense wasn't necessarily going to get things going or never really got things going. Um, but Carlton's defense held firm for quite a while. And sort of going into two minutes left in the half, in the first half, it was only 7 nothing Queens. Um, the next thing you know, <laughs> Keenan hits a long pass. And it's okay. It's 14 nothing. But, you know, if you're Carlton, like, given how, you know, your situation, you're not necessarily uh you know tearing your hair out or anything going into halftime like you still figure it out then things begin to fall apart so quick interception by Van Konik. queen's ball in the red zone already you know i believe that was another touchdown queen's kicks the ball back to carlton carlton fumbles a kick return queen's a good situation again settle for a field goal okay so now you just kind of gave him 10 points. That's not good. Then you throw another interception. And then all of a sudden you gave Queens, Queen for a field goal. is 13 points. And all of a sudden it goes from being 14, nothing at the half to 27, nothing at the half <laughs> and it's game over in two minutes. Right. So, and you know, that's kind of what's going to happen when you're going to have a young quarterback and sort of a Queens defense that uh, will make you pay for every single mistake you even dream of making. Um, so I think, It's easy to look at this and be like, Carlton, oh my God, like what's going on with them? But um, this is sort of just a terrible, terrible matchup for them. Couldn't be worse sort of with their um, limitations on offense and Queen's, you know, strength on defense. It it couldn't be worse for them, you know. And I think really you look at any kind of team in the East and they're going to run into that same problem.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, 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 I say what I'm about to say no, not to rub any salt in the wound for Carlton, but as you mentioned, kind of just to highlight how impressive this Queens defense was on the day. When you When you just straight up look at the Carlton drive chart and just see how those possessions ended, it goes punt, punt, interception, safety, punt, safety, punt, interception, fumble, interception, punt, safety, turnover on downs, interception, punt, downs, interception, safety, turnover on downs, game over. That, that's And once again, I don't say that to, you know, we, we, we kind of know what Carlton's having to deal with. Just just stating
0: to, some facts for everybody. Those are the just, facts. There's I'm no just opinions a,
1: behind that. <laughs> I'm just a guy reading numbers. And, uh, you know, it, those numbers are, are pretty gaudy. Um, so, I mean, as you said, it's looking like that whether it's at Richardson or whether it's, you know, Queens taking their show on the road that. Well, well Think, let me let me yeah. let
0: me ask you a question, Zach. Please. Let me let me let me pull not so fast here.
1: Is
0: Queens <laughs> is Queens peaking too soon here? I don't know what do you what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, the, there's is you know, we kind of touched on this um last week briefly where they're in this neat position where uh they're the team, or at least one of the teams, maybe the team, not too sure off the top of my head, that has the week seven bye. And on top of that, they're in a short week now going to play Ottawa this coming Thursday, which makes me rise that I'm going to we have to get that pod out a little earlier than, okay, a little mental note there for me. But, um, it, And then they're, they're off for ostensibly almost two full weeks. So there is that kind of piece of, you know, whether it's peaking too early or kind of, you know, getting to that peak, and then having that time off, whether that plays a part in, you know, how they'll look in the playoffs, at the same time though, just doing a little standings watch, there's a good chance that it's either going to be, well, almost certainly feels like it'll probably be a first round matchup for them against Toronto or Ottawa, which, um, you know, even if queens takes a game or so to get back in gear off of uh you know that that extra little bit of rest they'll get and hey who doesn't want extra rest at this point going to playoffs i feel comfortable that you know even if they need to take a game to get back in gear that first round playoff matchup for them shouldn't present too much of a challenge that you know not to say you want to give any team a chance to you know take the crown or whatever um I feel pretty strong just how that East is lining up that if they need a game to get back in gear in that first round, they can probably weather uh, a maybe a slow first quarter, first half if they need to. But you, well, I, for, yeah.
0: for, for, for me, it's kind of, and I'm just posing. I'm not saying I believe this to happen, but you look at that East conference and, and not exactly stellar offensive performances from any team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at sort of the GGs. Does that offense strike fear in your heart? Like, nope. no, No, Carlton. Um, they nope. just got shut out by Queens. So obviously, you know, what more do I have to say about that? But um, I think about Queens, Toronto, and <laughs> Toronto obviously has struggled uh, a lot of times this year. Haven't hasn't necessarily had the same. Uh, well they have the same firepower but let's just say haven't produced the same as they had in the past but I I think about sort of a team that'll be able to test Queens and you know we mentioned the sort of getting out early and for me I I think U of T is the only team that's really capable of sort of doing that and you know this is not necessarily based on their performance coming off a game where they put up only like 130 yards but I think (laughs) they have the guys to do it more than any other team in this in this East Conference so Mm -hmm. You know, I hope those guys can sort of get in gear the next couple of weeks and kind of, you know, we'll get a couple a couple of good first round games going in that East Conference. Just just something to keep an eye on because they haven't necessarily been in too many bad situations, obviously, but that's why they are where they are, of course.
1: Yeah, I mean, you make a great point with sort of what UFT's ceiling and what they can do uh, sort of at their peak. Uh, it, you know, it feels like what's been and part of a testament to how well round, rounded Queens has been is that like. There's been moments in games where their defense has been tested a little bit, but their offense keeps them in those games that they can get it sorted out. Or you know, going back to that Guelph game where you know Rashid still had a really strong game, but that Guelph defense was bringing huge pressure and hitting Keenan and 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 really causing some some trouble for them up front. Um, but their defense was so solid that they were able to give their guys time. So so it's just like. Um, and then, of course, the, the specials being so consistent, uh, you know. But I, I take your point, though, about UFT. My one hope in these first round matchups is, you know, uh, it, 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 it would just. It need it should be Queens, Toronto and then an Ottawa, Carlton. Like let's get let's get round three. I mean, we haven't even got to round two of Carlton, Ottawa yet, but like let's just we don't I don't I don't wanna see I don't wanna see Toronto versus either Ottawa teams in the first round of the playoffs. And I don't wanna really see either those Ottawa teams versus Carlton or versus Queens in the first round of the playoffs. So you know, however it breaks down, and to the point you raised too that out of those three teams, Carlton, Toronto and Ottawa, on this assumption that we have fairly strong assumption that York has been eliminated at this point that Toronto might be able to give them that push um, which then maybe you say well if they can give them the best fight maybe you wait till that matchups in the East Championship well end of the day as we said Queens should come out of this division anyway so I, I just you know let's get a part three panda first round of that playoffs let's get it you know the queens uft see if toronto and maybe if they do give them that little you know that jolt that little like oh man uft put up 21 on, on queens in that first round. wow maybe that's that kind of you know oh boy okay let's get you know the juices flowing and you know it's you know chips are on the table now um I don't know.
0: yeah i just i don't i don't it's hard to see either the ottawa teams give them too much trouble it's it's tough yeah
1: it, well i mean it's hard to see because we've seen it and they haven't so you know you can, we can trust our eyes a little bit on this one but we'll put that one to bed there go to our nightcap. the uh, uh the the Waterloo Warriors visiting the Guelph Griffins Guelph taking this one at home 27 to 10 we had uh Waterloo as a one and a half point favorite on the road over under on this one 42 and a half points um Going under with a 37 total spread on this one, and then for the player prop, Keandre Smith, we had him 67 and a half uh, receiving yards, which he went under. Um, but you know, we mentioned what Clark Barnes is in the returning game for them. Keandre really strong for them returning kicks as well. Um, I mean, the first thing that obviously sticks out in this one is, well, like all Guelph games, the first place that you got to look is who started at quarterback, and we had Sean Law back in there fourteen hundred yards two tees one interception um you know a a, a little bit of deandre a little bit of cassati it's kind of i feel like we could do like a a remix of mambo number, mambo five, number five like <laughs> a little bit of sean law in my life a little bit of deandre <laughs> however that would go i, I apologize you, to everyone's ears why'd you stop why'd you stop <laughs> <laughs> i'll get the we'll get the remix popping for the week six preview um and then as well, you know, so that that's number one. Um, seeing Sean Law in there, and at this point, it's kind of it, it's it's weird because obviously we have seen him miss time with injury, but it still seems like even when he's in the fold, Guelph's still doing this, you know, rotation of guys. Which going well, back it's from really
0: the con- yeah, it's it's really really weird because there were a couple times we see DeAndre Rose just come in for a series. And then it's back to Sean Law. I think that happened, like, twice in the game. Yeah. So I I, it's, I still am not quite 100% sure what's kind of going on
1: there. But, And, and as we kind of say in the, in the York game, you know, obviously it, it would it'd be somewhat hypocritical for us to be like, well, you know, York, you know, their offense has has been pretty lackluster. Why aren't they switching it up? You know, Guelph's offense has been pretty lackluster as well. So maybe that's the reason to be saying switched up. But I, I think the difference there is that – you know, speaking for both of us, I think we've seen things, a lot of things we've liked from Sean Law. So it's kind of like, if he's not injured, why aren't we just rolling with him? It's one thing to do that, you know, rotation thing of, it feels like, Well, maybe there's certain situations, and I don't think either of us really know. Maybe there are specific scenarios where Guelph is saying this is a DeAndre Rose drive for reasons X, Y, and Z, or whatever. But then there's that piece of continuity that we've kind of talked about going back to that Queen season, you know, having that confidence of you are the guy. Having his receivers know that, okay, you know, when when I'm running this route, I know that, you know, Rose's ball comes out a little bit like this versus laws versus, you know, all the way to the offensive lineman. Okay, you know, Cassati's cadence is a little bit like this versus, like, all those things matter. Um, so, still a big question mark in this one. Um, but, so that's number one. Anytime <laughs> Quelf is playing, it, it, it got to start with the quarterbacks there. But, speaking of quarterbacks, we got to look at the other side of the field. Because, of course, we know who they were taking on. Mr. Trey Ford, number five, and, you know, the numbers, um, which is a big asterisk, which we'll get to, you know, don't look, um, you know, awful by any means. 15 for 27, 159 yards, 121 interception, 171 rushing on the on the ground for Trey by himself on only uh, 15 carries for a pretty gaudy average. But the big piece in all this is the fact that I think it was mid-third quarter, we saw him leap. Um with what looks like now you know, let's 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 yeah. talk about that because sort of
0: coming back to this one today um obviously six o'clock starts a little late here in vienna guys so I like <laughs> popped that one on to this morning yeah um, but sort of a strange situation um you know it was sort of a a play where trey was running down the sideline you know gets tackled out of bounds And it seemed immediately uh, the golf bench seemed like pretty – he landed in the golf bench. The golf bench seemed kind of concerned about him. And then he gets up. He looks a little wobbly, Zach. Is that accurate, would you say, being there too? Because he's kind of – he's wobbling a bit, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll – I'll say in, in responding to that, I'll, I'll also mention that, you know, we were very uh, we were very privileged to get sideline access for that game. Um, shout out to Guelph. Shout out to, you know, number of teams that have allowed us to, you know, come check out the game, whether it's sideline access or otherwise. So from the sideline, a little harder to gauge, sort of what was going on. I think I actually missed the play when he went out. But, yeah, you could see when yeah. they had the staff, you know, kind of helping him off the field. It, well, it, it looked had, weird. There were
0: some guys, you know, of holding him because he was it seemed like he was stumbling a bit so he had some guys holding him and then he signed it sort of caught himself and he's trying to walk back to the huddle and then the waterloo training staff comes over and he's like trying to dodge them and and move out of the way someone tries to put their hand on him. he's like no 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 like i'm still playing i'm still playing and so it seemed like it was some kind of concussion protocol type thing and obviously Always better safe than sorry in that case, but um from that point the game was was pretty much over, but luckily, you know, and we talked about this before, it seems like he will be okay um hopefully for this weekend going forward so and he was on yeah. the sidelines up talking to guys and stuff after it he didn't seem you know like he was too too shaken up or anything like that.
1: I mean, that, that that that's kind of the impression, I you know, more the impression I got, you know, being kind of that, that close to the action where, like I said, having missed the play and, and seeing him kind of being helped off the field and, and then you're seeing him take the pads off and then you're kind of doing that like, okay, all right, he's, you know, we saw him tweak his, his ankle a little bit in the Battle of Waterloo and so I'm thinking like, oh, okay, maybe it's just that, but then he's not limping and... Then you know, seemingly randomly, uh, someone else who was on the sideline, a scout who was at the game, was like, "Oh, DeTrey, did he he break his wrist? Something like what? Like what did I miss on that? Like, like," and I'm thinking like he's showing no sign of you know that kind of nursing any type of thing that was bugging him, and you know got to say what's up to him real quick after the game because he was our, our 2021 OUA Madden cover athlete of of the year so we were able to finally get him his edition of the the trey ford edition uh madden 22 um which was great you know you know, talked to him a few times seemed seemed to be all there so i mean at the end of the day obviously you know especially when we talk about things like like head injuries or whatever you know i i want them to obviously take it as seriously as it needs to be um but it, you know taking with a grain of salt just from you know, being around and just seeing how he was interacting, it didn't feel like the most devastating um, injury. It could have just been precaution. Obviously, you know, when we look at the standings, we have now this crazy, you know, four-two and two teams in the OUA West. So it's it's not as if, you know, like I can't imagine Waterloo is thinking, well, you know, we we'll probably already have our ticket to the dance punched anyone can kind of beat anyone. So you know what, why don't we just take extra precaution on this? Um, so, you know, it, it' a little weird, cause that was my, one of my first thoughts, it's like, well, maybe it's just, you know, as always better safe than sorry, but you know, it didn't feel like exactly you could just say like, well, you know what, we can just sort of put this one to bed and, and he'll be back and we'll be back and it'll all be good. Cause you know, that's, if we've seen anything so far this year. There, there are no promises. So yeah.
0: And in, in talking about playoffs, I can't say I was really impressed with either team. Um, Trey having 170 yards rushing on the day kind of tells you something. And that there was not a lot of scripted offense going on for Waterloo. It was a lot of trade drop back, stand and look and okay. Now he's running and now he's running. And it's seemingly that's all that was going on up and down the field, the whole game. Um, so, you know, obviously it can be productive in some cases, but, Warloo was not able to finish drives. They were not able to make field goals. And honestly, watching, they were definitely, you know, kind of, I thought the better team definitely offensively throughout the game. Mm. I was not impressed with Guelph whatsoever. And we'll get into stock wash in sort of our next episode. <laughs> but, uh, you know, let's just say maybe I'd be feeling good to kind of sell high on that one and kind of after this this big win for them. But some yeah. real, real concerns from that Guelph offense, Obviously, they're lucky to get the kick return touchdown. Another one of the touchdowns was set up by the punter dropping the snap at the one-yard line for Waterloo. Um, So offense not really responsible for a whole lot. Only 217 yards of offense from Guelph. Um, So some real concerning stuff um, for that front for them. And it's still looking like a work in progress and you mentioned all those teams stuck at two and two i do not feel confident at all in telling you who will be the one of those that drops out so and maybe there'll be two of them that drop out for all we know
1: yeah and you know you hit the nail on the head and guelph you know could, couldn't get the run game going at all and we talked about a number of these guys on that waterloo defense uh none More so, less so. I don't know. Once again, English grammar. I don't know. Then Michael Reed, who had another standout performance for them at linebacker, twelve total uh, tackles on the day, three TFLs, sack, pardon me, one and a half sacks, breakup. um, You know, another uh, top candidate for one of the you know just just one of the most consistent uh, defensive guys um, in Ontario um, this year. But yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just has that same feel of like it's hard to make too many like long term reads coming out of this one because then you talk about what Waterloo offensively too that it it was kind of that Trey Ford show because you know we you know we had Brandon Metz who's been pretty solid for them running the ball this year and you know albeit Guelph's defense is really good but you know he only got five carries seven for seven total uh, yards on the day uh, you know running it with Justin Sukar a little bit twenty three yards for him um and, you know last kind of point though I, I want to make is that. It's easy with this Waterloo team once Trey is out to be like, well, you know, uh, congratulations, you are the recipient of the Booby Miles Award for having a team that's so focused on one guy that when that guy's out, you don't have a way to, you know, bounce back. It's like, all right, let's settle down a little bit. This we're talking we're talking about Trey Ford. If Trey Ford is your quarterback, you let him do all the amazing things that he does. Like I, I think it's a bit of a. I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't love the idea of like, oh, well, you know, is this a testament to this not being a well-rounded team? If, you know, Trey goes out and they can't... If you lose Trey Ford, you shouldn't be nearly as good as you were before. It would be, like, if, if Trey went out and it was just business as usual, then we would really need to start, you know, we would need to make like Crisper Toya hats or sweaters to be like, <laughs> okay, clear, like, you know, whatever's going on. It's like, yeah, if Trey goes out and God forbid he has to, or is out for an extended period, period of time, it's like, yeah, your team should get worse, and that's okay, I mean, it's not okay for him to be hurt, we don't want to see that, but it's like, that's not, you know, that doesn't have to be this big referendum on on Waterloo, that they have one of the best talents that is, you know, graced the gridiron in Canada for, you know, years, and that if he's out, they're not as good, that just makes sense, so I don't know, I just kind of wanted to throw that out, because I too had that thought at first, of like, oh, well, you know, like I said, Booby Miles award alert. Like you know, you lose the one guy and the whole thing falls apart. Uh, falls apart. But I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, it, it. I mean, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity for Waterloo for me because, like I said, i It felt like they were doing a lot of things better than Guelph, and obviously the missed field goals, not being able to finish drives. There was a big drop in the red zone as well. Um, and now you have to play Western at home, who is seemingly getting their thing together at the right time and rolling over people. And then guess what? You got to finish with Laurier who seemingly is also heading in the right direction and uh, making people sweat a bit too. So uh, a lot of exciting football that be had going forward, but um, Waterloo and a lot, of, I guess maybe there's no point in saying this, but no short things in the
1: OUA West by any means. And what a great place to wrap it up on because, you know, there's so many question marks going on next week that if we start getting into them now, we're going to step on all the content for our pod later in the week as excited as I am to start talking about all these matchups and what they mean. Like you said, Western and Waterloo. We got that weird short Queens week coming out what's going to happen there. We can we can shelf all that, save it for the conversation when we break down week, se- pardon me, week six in the OUA. Um, but that'll wrap it up for the, the review of week five. Uh, make sure to follow us on all social medias at the55podcast um, on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook at the55.ca you can buy merch, support the brand, support Stella's place and uh, yeah, you know, just don't let this week, don't let this week deter your enjoyment of the season, you know it's, it's bound to happen it's, you know, I said what I said about the weather but, you know, hey it happens, it's still been a crazy year and I can't wait to see what happens all the way through to the eights and beyond. So we'll be talking to you soon at the 55.